Well, Palm Sunday, what a great time to be gathering and to focus on this, uh, on this Easter week. The message of Palm Sunday for me is God has a bigger and a better plan for your life, for my life, for our church, uh, for all of creation. God has a bigger and a better plan. Let's say that together. God has a bigger and a better plan. Those, those words roll off our tongues very easily, don't they? Uh, but do we really believe it? In the circumstances of your life right now and what you're facing either individually or as a community or as a family, do you really believe that God has a bigger and a better plan? So as we come to this Palm Sunday account, uh, things were looking pretty good for, the, uh, for God's followers. Jesus was the Messiah who could perform miracles. We'd seen what Jesus had done. They had seen what Jesus had done. Uh, casting out evil spirits, gone in the name of Jesus. Raising the dead to life. Healing those who were sick. His power over, over nature. Calming the storm. Walking over the water. When the religious leaders of the day tried to confound Jesus with uh, their different questions, he actually turned the tables on them, confounded those with his answers to their questions. Nothing was impossible now because Jesus was heading towards Jerusalem. And so the crowd thought, this is our Lord. He is going to get rid of the tyrannical, oppressive Roman rule in Jerusalem, and at last, we are going to be free. We are going to be free. And Jesus riding on a donkey was a fulfilment of the prophecy that Zechariah had spoken 500 years before Jesus was even born. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, so your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So here was Jesus himself proclaiming himself as the Messiah. So what could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? They'd seen all the miracles of Jesus and now Jesus is going to go and get rid of this tyrannical Roman rule over them. Freedom at last. But God has a bigger and a better plan. And at first the disciples, writes John, they didn't understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realise that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. And that is understandable because God's plans were so different. Jesus had told them earlier what to expect. Mark wrote, we're going up to Jerusalem, said Jesus, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. And three days later he will rise. When Jesus spoke those words to his disciples, it obviously didn't sink in because the very next verse we read is uh, James and John saying, uh, Teacher, um, can one of us sit on your right hand and the other on your left when you come into your glory? I had no idea. It's a little bit like uh, you gathering your family around and saying you've got an incurable disease and you are going to be dying and the end of your life is coming very quickly and someone in the family says, 
Oh, can you pass the salt? <laughs> you pass the salt, this whole thing just went over, over their heads. They knew that Jesus was going to be glorified. They had no idea it was going to be that soon. Because God had a bigger and a better plan. So a question for us in our lives is, when God's ways are different to ours, are we willing to accept them? So here are some reflection questions for us today. Are we often like the people of Jerusalem who wanted God to conform to their own agendas? Do we believe that God should manifest his power in a way that makes us more comfortable? And when that doesn't happen, do we tend to wonder why God either hasn't heard our prayers or why God really isn't interested in our case? What issues are you dealing with today, either individually or as a, as a family? Have you got a predetermined solution or an outcome that you're requesting God to provide? But what if God has another plan? Are you happy to engage in that process? So often I think many of us, and I know from my own experience, would rather pursue uh, another path. You know, we've been, we've been taught from a young age and been conditioned to believe that if it's going to be, it's up to me. You know, to know what you want and to go for it. To set your goals high and don't stop until you get there. You can do anything. If you just set your goals and you have a passion and you have a determination to go and to reach them. All our dreams can come true if we are only disciplined and we have a passion to keep on going and to pursue them. And there is truth in those sayings, well, some truth in those sayings. But what happens when God has a different plan? Are we waiting and discerning enough to know the difference between our desire to simply push on and our ability to be listening to God and genuinely seeking his plan and his purpose. Because I'm convinced that when we keep on going, focusing on this goal, we so often look for peace and answers in all the wrong places. We look for peace and answers in all the wrong places. And could it be that as we struggle to build our lives for ourselves, to pursue the things that we think will make us happy that Jesus wants to say to us too, if you, even you, would today only know what would bring you peace. The reason I, I wanted to uh, speak about Luke's gospel today is that Matthew, Mark, Luke and John all give the account of Palm Sunday. But only Luke's gospel gives us this change in the emotion of Jesus as they come towards Jerusalem. See, up to verse 37, the celebrations are all joyful. The scriptures say that when the procession came to the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole of the disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. And that, so the crowd is, and we know this well, the crowd is shouting, uh, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Glory in the highest heaven." Some of the Pharisees called out, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus responded, Look, I tell you, even if they kept quiet, the very stones would cry out. Jesus was saying, Nothing is going to stop the good news of the kingdom. My kingdom is going to be fulfilled. But then, as Jesus approaches the top and looks out over, 
from the Mount of Olives over Jerusalem, he stops and he weeps. He weeps. Jesus wasn't weeping because of what lay before him and, and what he had to endure over that next week. Rather, Jesus was weeping because he knew that people just didn't understand the peace that he had come to give and the way that they were going to obtain that peace. That peace wasn't going to come by overcoming a tyrannical Roman rule. That peace was going to come as people took hold of all that Jesus had for them. If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Sadly today, I think the Lord weeps over us and so many of our, our fellow Australians who are lost. We're looking for peace in all the wrong places. If only we could take hold of the peace that Jesus offers us. I searched Google this week. How can I find peace? Silly thing to do. Let's try it. 1.09 billion hits. Now, I didn't get through them all. Just a cursory glance at what, where I can find peace. How can I find peace? You know, everything from meeting the Dalai Lama. One meeting with the Dalai Lama will give you inner peace for the rest of your life. Counting backwards is going to give you peace. I thought that was meant to turn you, you know, send you off to sleep, but it actually has the ability, says this particular um, page on Google, to give you lasting inner peace. And the other one that really confounded me was waking up every morning and for 10 minutes, 10 minutes just chanting, inner peace, <laughs> inner peace. Inner. After I'd said that five or six times, it frustrated me no end. <laughs> and now it's going to ever give you inner peace. The crazy things that people want to look at to find peace, to find peace. Where do we go? Where are our fellow Australians going for that? Are you even confused at the moment about how you can take hold of peace, even this day? Well, how can we do it? How can we take hold of peace? I want you to forget whatever you might find on, Google, on your Google search. I can tell you two things that are guaranteed together to give you peace. It's a big statement, I know. But the first is to understand more of God's greatness. To understand more of God's greatness. To get into the scriptures and to read about the life of Jesus. To read of the miracles of Jesus. To read Jesus' plan for creation. And the way that he was headed to the cross to make it possible. His greatness to reflect on all of creation. To recognise the fact that creation exists because there was a word spoken flung into existence to know that the god that we worship is a god who has flung a star into space 264 trillion miles away and that god of all of creation that we can never fully comprehend is on our side this god is on our side well that alone is not enough to give us peace because God's power alone is not going to give us peace because this God could be a tyrannical, oppressive ruler. But the good news is the other side of that coin is that God 
is an amazing lover of us as his creation. And we need to grab hold of a greater understanding of the depth of God's love. How can we do that? No better illustration of the depth of God's love than that first Easter. And particularly that walk into Jerusalem that first Palm Sunday with the crowds waving their branches. Jesus knowing what was in front of him, knowing what he was going to endure, still walked steadfastly. Knowing too that people weren't fully going to comprehend what he was doing. See, Jesus' death on the cross of Calvary while we were yet sinners is the most amazing demonstration of God's love for us. I'm convinced that one of the barriers for many people coming into a true peace, and I experienced this in my own life, was being brought up in a Christian home. Now, let me just say this, that sounds like a contradiction in terms. I'm a very privileged person to be brought up in a Christian home. Let me say that. And anyone here that's been raised in a Christian home will also say it. But growing up in a Christian home, we're conditioned to know that God is a God of love. Yes, of course God is a God of love. God loves the whole world. God loves the whole world. But getting that love from here to here and recognising that God's love was not just for the whole world, it was for me individually. And when I realised that, it was like a light went on. My sins were washed away because of Calvary. Jesus died as my substitute on Calvary. I am free. My new journey with life has begun. It's not just someone out there. It's not just a people out there. It is me. It had become real. Friends, I don't know where you're up to. I don't know what you're looking for in life today. But can I urge you to take hold of God's greatness and God's amazing love for you individually. I'm so glad and we are so glad that God had a bigger and a better plan. If Jesus had walked into Jerusalem and overcome the oppressive Roman rule, it would have given peace to those people at that time. But Jesus walked into Jerusalem and his death on the cross, his death as a substitute for your sin and mine, was effective for all of creation for all time so that you and I can point to that cross of Calvary and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you went there for me. So we're going to take the time today not just to reflect historically on a group of people that wave their palm branches and said, Hosanna, Lord, save us. Today we can say, Lord, thank you for the salvation that is available to us today. I'm going to pray and then Murray and Dan are going to come up and lead us through this little final part when you and I can rejoice in what Palm Sunday means. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we do praise you and thank you for your greatness on the one hand and for your amazing love for us on the other. And we thank you that as we grab hold of those two things together and we commit ourselves to follow you and to see ourselves nailed to the cross of Calvary, our sins being forgiven, that we can take hold of peace in a new way. And today we want to pray for each other. Lord, for those of us that might be anxious, that might be worried about different aspects of life, 
for those that might to be searching for something that is, is really a lasting inner peace, that even today, Father, that you would come and work by your Spirit. And to, Lord, just draw us into that relationship with you, to open our eyes to see the magnitude of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.